Well, thank you all for coming. Um, so just tonight is just going to be a, a short introduction, just to explain a bit, a little bit about the direction of the retreat and maybe a little few things about the polycanon that you may or may not know. Um, so I uh, was generous, generously given some time at the Hermitage to prepare for the retreat. We do that when the monks do the seven-day retreat, which is, of course, really nice. Um, and uh, <clears throat> usually for me, if you're going to do seven talks, you sit down the first day and you think, oh, my God, you know, it's like seven talks? What am I going to and so then, then, then you know, you got to move somewhere from there. And I began to gather information, gather thoughts, look at the different books in the polycanon of the polycanon, um, and you know, I started to come up with things. And then you kind of get on a roll. And if you're on a roll, just keep going because uh, <laughs> you're on a roll. <laughs> and uh, you know, I was able to get the seven Dharma talks done, including the one tonight, although it's really just an introduction. <clears throat> but the last night that I was at the Hermitage, so I go to bed, I'm sleeping, I wake up, and I, I had this dream that um, I was running for mayor. I mean, it's the last thing in my life I'd want to do is run for mayor of anywhere. Um, <laughs> And I had to go up to the podium to, I guess, give a speech or something. But I got up there and I couldn't find talk seven. <laughs> it doesn't logically all make sense. And, and it was very awkward. And then I woke up, <laughs> thankfully. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't really panicked. That was kind of funny um, how the mind works. And, uh, yeah. But I'm not planning to run for mayor anytime soon. <laughs> Yes, I, I really wanted to thank you all again for coming. Um, you know, this is a, just an in-person retreat, not online. So, although we will put the talks online, but it's not, we're not doing this. What's that called? Zoom, right? We're not Zooming at all. We're just, it's just us in the room for, for the various things. And, you know, um, I th I think Zoom was a really a good thing during um, the pandemic, and I also think it's still it's still a good thing. It's just that there, it's nice if we don't forget the things where we just come in person, and because I think it's it's just a little different. It's a little different, and, you, and of course, it's a little harder from a distance to do a retreat. Although I'm sure that people do it, but just to be here and for the week, and um, yeah, to be present, to everything. So I did, I did a retreat oh, four or five years ago on the teachings of the Buddha from the Pali Canon. Um, and I could probably do them for the rest of my life and I won't, wouldn't get anywhere near th through the Pali Canon because the Pali Canon is vast if you don't know about you know as, as a physical set of books. Um, yeah, and it's just, and in, in doing this retreat, um, I'm just really just scratching the surface. And I'm just doing a little bit of something from here, something there. And I am not a Pali scholar. 
I'm not a Theravadan monk. Um, uh, so I don't feel super qualified, you know, with the Pali Canon, other than it is it is the teachings of the Buddha who founded our practice, and, and, and you know, it's considered part of our, something that we might study. Um, there are parts of the Pali Canon that I really get, parts of the Pali Canon that I do not understand at this point in time, and it's just fine. As I understand it, uh, the Buddha gave a talk once, and Shariputra, who was one of his top disciples, Shariputra and, and Moggallana, well, after the Buddha gave the talk, he asked Shariputra, he said, did you understand what I was talking about? And Shariputra said no. And, and, and you know, the Buddha didn't get on his case or, you know, said, what's wrong with you? And he said, that's very good. Thank you for telling me that. Because he's just being honest. He didn't, he didn't, you know, particularly at that moment... I uh, wasn't able to digest all of what the Buddha had talked about, and so, so I, there's there's lots of the Pali Canon that I can't profess to be an authority on by any means. Um, so the the Pali Canon. Um, in some senses, belongs to the Theravadan tradition, but it is the discourses of the Buddha, uh, and um, the teachings of that are for us Buddhists. Okay, uh, the Pali, the contents of the Pali Canon come from the earliest period of um, Buddhist literary history. Okay, so that's a period lasting roughly a hundred years after the Buddha's death. Originally, these teachings uh, and stories were passed down orally. So when you read the Pali Canon, there can be a lot of repetition sometime in some of the chapters. That's because they were passed down orally, and it was a good way to remember them by repeating things, and they did some things in prose and some in verse. Um, some, some people, some scholars say or consider that the oral passage of the teaching was actually more accurate than the written transmission. And to this day, um, in some Southeast Asian countries, people memorize parts of the Pali Canon. You know, they can recite fairly big pieces of it. We're really fortunate now uh, in the West to have excellent translations of the Pali Canon. Um, Bhikkhu Bodhi, uh, Tantisaro Bhikkhu, Bhikkhu, I think it's Bhikkhu Soma. There's just a number of them. And, you know, they're really good and really careful in their translations. Uh, So the the suttas, because that's the Pali word, or sutras is the Mahayana, Word. It's the Sanskrit word, but it's what's used in Mahayana. Sutta is used in the Theravada. And I'm probably going to end up saying Sutta a number of times during the talks during the week because that's how they are, that's how it is in the books when you look at them. But it's the same word, Sutta, Sutras. Okay? Um, they, they are um, the oldest records of the Buddha's teachings available to us. So I think that's something remarkable 
you know, something dates from from over 2,500 years ago that has come down to us to this day. Um, some of Great Master Dogen's fundamental teachings, in particular the Four Wisdoms, that comes from the Pali Canon. I I searched for it for years, and then Bhikkhu Bodhi translated something, and I thought, oh, there it is. And in fact, in reading his commentary about that, he said that yes, this is this is a Mahayana. It's really been taken on by the Mahayana as, as one of their primary teachings. So uh, the the teachings found in the Pali Canon serve as a, as the source for the evolving streams of Buddhist doctrine and practice since the time of the historical Buddha. I quote Bhikkhu Bodhi here, and I'm quoting him and also kind of paraphrasing him in his book, uh, in, the, in the Buddha's words. He said, for this reason, the teachings of the Pali Canon constitute the common heritage of the entire Buddhist tradition. And Buddhist, Buddhists of all schools who wish to understand the taproot of Buddhism might want to make a study of them. It's not required, but no, you might, you might be interested then. As I said, the Pali Canon is, is really vast. I mean, if I were to put the books up on the altar, I think they actually might take up more than the length of this little front alt- this altar here. Okay. Um, so just to give you a little bit um, about the contents of the, of the Pali Canon. So the Pali Canon consists of three pitakas, and I want to tell you that I have a hard time reading English, so my my pronunciations of Pali are going to be as best I can do. So bear bear with me, okay? But but I think they're called pitakas, um, and that the word means baskets. So there's these three baskets uh, in the Pali Canon, and it's there's Vinaya Pitaka. That's the rules, the discipline of the Sangha. Um, a lot of that is monastic discipline. Um, there's the Sutta, no, excuse me, that's the Vinaya Pitaka, that's the rules of the Sangha. Then there's the Sutta Pitaka, uh, that's uh, the spoken, well, it's considered threads um, of the well-spoken. So these, it's, it's the things that the Buddha said are largely in that Sutta Pitaka. But the Sutta Pitaka itself has five subdivisions. Those are called Nikayas. Okay, these bear with my translate my pronunciations of these. But there's the uh, Diga Nikaya. That's 34 long discourses. Majjhimakaya. That's 150 medium discourses. The Samyutta Nikaya. Thousands of short discourses. The An. Rutara Nikaya, I don't know if my t- pronunciation is close there, that's thousands of short discourses arranged numerically from one, ones to the elevens. And then the fifth is the Kudaka Nikaya, so that's a miscellaneous collection of works in prose and verse. And the Dhammapada is in there, uh, the Udana, the Itivaka, I think if I'm saying that right, um, the Teragata, the Terigata, the Jataka Tales, and many, many more. Okay, so it's, the Pali Canon is enormous, 
and we're, we're so, so fortunate. Is everything in there 100% accurate, true? I don't know, you know. Um, I, I, I think people have tried to, you know, say even that, you know, the Buddha didn't exist. But people have looked at the Pali Canon and, and looked at the history that we know of, of that part of the world at that time, and they match up. So that's, you know, pretty definitive. And so we're, we're really fortunate now, these things that I just read, these, these five um, Nikayas, these three baskets, um, all these smaller works, many, many of them are translated into English and, and really good translations. I think we're just really for, um, fortunate. And you can access a lot of those online. But of course, you wouldn't do that online this week because we, we put away our phones. So. But, you know, just you, you can um, yeah, find a number of those things online. So you don't have to buy these enormous books. I mean, the books are, they're, they're enormous. Okay. It's like it's the size of a dictionary. Um, okay. See where I am here. Okay. So in my talks during this week, I will present teachings of the Buddha that I find helpful in my understanding of Buddhism and that I think might help you in your daily practice. Because, of course, the whole point of all of this is something that we can apply to our daily practice. Otherwise, it's just words and air. Um, as I said before, in, in many ways, I'll just be scratching the surface because I was just giving seven talks, you know, maybe maybe ten suttas, sutras in the end I'm, I'm touching on. In our bodhisattva vows, we say, however limitless the Dharma is, I vow to understand it completely. However infinite the Buddha's truth is, I vow to attain it. And when I look at the, the Pali Canon, I think, yeah, that's how big it is. You know, there's that, that, there's that much that, that um, yeah, there's that much Dharma there. And yeah, that's, of course, a very wide, expansive, challenging statement. But, you know, we're always learning. Um, and as Master Ji said, going, going, going on, always going on, always becoming Buddhist. There's always something. I hope that the teachings that I offer will spark an interest in you to look into the Pali Canon as a source to aid, in your, aid you in your practice. You know, we're so lucky to have met Buddhism in this lifetime. Not everybody does. I mean, I'm, I feel really fortunate. And, you know, at a relatively young age, that really bailed me out. I wasn't going, <laughs> going a good way. It really bailed me out. The Buddha, I feel, was a remarkable person. He was wise. He was compassionate. Um, he had real insight into human nature. He had real insight into suffering uh, and, and what we could do to alleviate that suffering. And he cared, really, about people. He talked to everybody. Because when you go through the Pali Canon, you see he's talking to everybody in the society. And, you know, he, he in, in a country at that time where the caste system was really you know, quite harsh. It's, it's, it's still in India, but it's was, was quite harsh in some ways in those days. In terms of Buddhism, he didn't, he said caste really wasn't, 
You know, it wasn't what, wasn't what caste you were born into, it was how you lived your life that determined whether you were a Brahmin or not. So for me, um, he comes alive in, the, in, in these teachings and stories in the Pali Canon. He's a human being. Reverend Enya mentioned that a number of times today. You know, I mean, he, he got given a really rough time sometimes. He made mistakes. Um, his disciples, you know, they, they, really, they really shortened his life, I think. But, you know, he lived to 80, which would have been old in those days. Um, but, he, but just a, re, a remarkable person, and, and a lot of that unfolds in, in the Pali Canon. Um, I wanted to say that um, retreats are a bit about the teaching that is presented, but mostly they're about the people who come together and practice for the week. Okay? Um, as with most things in life, you get out of it what you put into it. The teachings presented can be a catalyst, but each of us has to take it from there. Sentence doesn't quite make sense there. Point of what we do. Well, the the whole point of the Dharma is to bring it out in your life. That's the whole point. That's the whole point of the Pali Canon. All, all the teachings we have in Buddhism, and of course we have many, many in our tradition. And it's it's my hope that the teachings of the Buddha can come alive for you in your everyday practice. You know, it may be already. I'm not going to. I have a little paragraph about cell phones, but I, I don't think I'm going to say it because I, I trust all you people. If there's an emergency, a difficulty, just talk to to somebody in the guest office because, you know, things come up and and there's there's going to be no cell phone police around. Uh, but it just we thought we'd, we'd try to give everybody a break for for the week. I was just going to use the analogy um, with cell phones uh, and, and the log splitter and an axe. You know, the log splitter. Um, we've got a pretty powerful log splitter now because we split thirty cores of wood a year. Uh, it's faster. It's easier on your body. It's easier than swinging an axe. You know, over and over again. It's great. Um, Sometimes I just like to use an axe. You know, it's just there's just something about you. You're in more contact with what you're doing. Uh, and you know, here sometimes if we have a number of people working on a wood crew, we both use the log splitter and axes. Okay? But there's nothing like when you split a piece of wood with an axe and it just splits. Or on the other hand, when it doesn't split, and is, is it going to get you all frustrated? I, I've seen people at, attack logs with an axe here, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, it's not worth it. Either you just throw it aside and do do that piece with the log splitter, or let it sit out in the sun a bit longer. Um, but it's kind of my, my analogy in putting down the cell phones. You know, they, ha they have lots of benefits. I mean, we cannot 
go back to the time of the Buddha. We're in the 21st century. We've got what we've got. But the, but the thing is to use tools um, and innovations, you know, in a helpful way to, to us. I mean, I've been at uh, meals with my nephews, and they're both on, they're both on their, their whatever they're called, iPhones, cell phones, whatever. And we're, you know, we're sitting at the table. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, they're, they're really nice young men. Um, it's just different than when I grew up. Um, of course, we probably wouldn't even have been sitting at the table when I grew up. We'd be, we'd be running around. <laughs> but, you know, so it's just, just an opportunity to put something down that's, that's so invasive in your life and just do it a little simpler. Now, nothing like an alarm clock, the old alarm clocks, or, or a pad of paper and a pencil. <laughs> I don't know how people's handwriting is doing now. Without, you know, they don't write anymore, so... It's really important when I was a kid. I, I had a a nun. Uh, my first went to a Catholic grammar school. The first nun that I had, I don't know, third, fourth grade, when we were transitioning from printing to writing, she was left-handed. So she wrote backhanded. So we we had to write backhanded. So I'm right-handed, and I wrote backhanded. Well, of course, it didn't fly the next year when you went to the next class, and the nun was right-handed. You know, she wanted you to go the other way, but it was just a good lesson for me. Well, I'd go this way, I can go that way. You know, it's okay. So the last thing um, before we have our sitting, uh, there are copies on the table um, in the guest house in the common room area. You know, when you come first come in, there's that low, black, beautiful kind of inlaid table. That's where they are, Ravindra, aren't they? Okay. So there's copies of the Kalama. Sutta Sutra. Uh, it it's entitled in that this particular copy because I wanted to get Bhikkhu Bodhi's translation. I think it's called No Dogmas or Blind Faith. Yeah, um, or Blind Belief, something like that. But anyway, that's the Kalama Sutra, and, and and the idea was you're you're welcome to have a copy. It's just one page. It's it's four, it's four short pages on one on one page back and front. Um, and because that's what I'm going to talk about tomorrow, and really all the other, pretty much all the other talks I'm going to give the, the suttas, the sutras are very short, so you're going to have to bear with my reading of them while I while I talk. Um, but but the Kalama Sutra is a little longer. It, you, you can read it before you go to bed. I mean, it, it shouldn't keep you awake, uh, and it's very short. Okay, it's, it's a very it's only like a full page. It's maybe front and the back. Um, but that'll give you a bit more idea of um, what I'm talking about. Okay? And it's, it's a very famous um, sutra in in uh, Buddhism. It's said to be the most quoted and the most misquoted. Uh, and I think it's a remarkable um, piece of you know literature that that shows how the Buddha taught. And the great, you know, the great wisdom, compassion, and skillfulness from which he taught, and also that Buddhism isn't a religion where we just, you know, you come in and everybody just tells you what to do. That's not Buddhism. <laughs> um, you know, we can we can give give a bit of a um, an outline, a structure, but but it's each one of us that has to do the practice and, and find the way 
within that uh, that works for us. It's the same truth. Okay, thank you so much.